a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis, and we thank everybody for listening uh, to this show and download it on Stitcher, get it on iTunes, get it on uh, RacerX Online. You can get a link on Pulpamex and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. MotorcycleSuperstore.com, they're a passionate team. They speak moto from talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride to the latest parts and gear. They've got it. Uh, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Check out their website, 700 brands on that. Uh, do you speak moto? Because Motorcycle Superstore does. If you use the code PB-PULP16, uh, pulp 16, so PB, PB like peanut butter, or pulp bro, uh, dash pulp 16, you save money at MotorcycleSuperstore.com. And speaking of MotorcycleSuperstore.com, the brand new Fox Racing apparel is out. This podcast is presented by Fox Racing. Foxhead.com, visit your local authorized Fox dealer. And uh, Kenny Rocks and just uh, some of the guys, uh, Ryan Dungey, some of the guys that wear Fox Racing. Of course, 2017 gear out now. Yes, it's August 2016, but 2017 gear is out right now. Uh, with me on the line is, uh, is a guy I consider a friend of mine in the sport. He's done it all, whether it's a top privateer in the sport for many, many years, uh, ultra cross champion, uh, team manager of the year, uh, building teams from scratch, uh, uh, competing against the factory levels, and or just plain managing and helping riders uh, get better uh the great larry brooks what's up lb how are you yeah i'm doing well how's yourself i'm good thanks for doing this man appreciate it yeah no worries always uh, fun yeah it is it's good i could bench race with a guy like you for for a long time of course uh i first met you uh i was a mechanic for ferry in 99 and uh chaparral you picked ferry up and unfortunately you got me with the package as well and uh that summer had a good had a good year with with the uh with the big one five so Oh yeah, oh yeah. Timmy, Timmy was—he was underrated, I think, his whole career. Oh, you're telling true. me. You're telling. Me. Hey, and just to make both of us feel older, he's at Loretta's with his uh, eight or nine-year-old kid right now. They're racing. So. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> just to make <laughs> just us feel even older. Feel old. I know, right? Um, hey, so uh, thanks again for doing this. Appreciate the Motorcycle Superstore Racer X uh, online podcast. Um, I got a bunch of places I can go with you, and I want to talk to you about especially one of my crazy theories that some people in the industry have got a little pissed at about uh, being about, but I'll, let's start with blue Buffalo. You were at blue Buffalo managing that team. Um, uh, you had a Supercross team with, um, uh, Michael Lieb and, um, well, Benny boss for a bit. And then you picked up a uh, guy. I can't remember now my fault, but, um, yeah, and then you, <laughs> then you went, then you went outdoors and somewhere along the line, I'll be at Glen Helen. Things went sideways with this team and you, you quit it. There was, I talked to Coombs a little bit about it. There was a big blow up with security guards at Glen Helen and you guys were kicked out of the pits and you really didn't have anything to do with this, but I think wisely you got away from it. Uh, I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but that was a little nuts. That scenario. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. I mean, actually, the day I was coming to the track a little bit late, I had uh, Ben LeMay's bike with me, and I rolled in probably about noon. By the time I showed up, to the, the truck had already been uh, parked in the pits and mm-hmm. stuff, and they had already started setting up. And somewhere between that time of me showing up at noon and them being allowed to park at 9 or whenever they start that, they had some issues with security guards, and it went from bad to worse to, to <laughs> really bad. To, like, get and out of the pits type bad. <laughs> exactly. Like, ejected bad. Right. And um, when I showed up, it was all just a whirlwind, and I hadn't been part of it to, mm-hmm. at the beginning, so I really didn't know how it all kind of started. And and everyone started looking at me, I guess, because I'm the most familiar face in the sure, pit. Right. and. And, you know, it just, it, it, it just wasn't a very good scenario. You know, the, um, people on the team had, had, 
treated a security guard a little rough and and then that security guard went back to the head security guard and security guard security guard down the road and everybody <laughs> just wanted that truck and the people that were involved out of the pit so to, to be my fair, biggest yeah. goal oh go ahead sorry no go ahead uh, my biggest goal at that point when the thing all, all started going bad and I knew that the truck was getting out and people were going to be ejected that I wanted the riders to race, you know, I didn't yeah. want them to suffer. And so, you know, I, I just said that, you know, I would take them under my wing and, and work with them the next day and whatnot. And I had no mechanics. I was the mechanic for Ben LeMay and, <laughs> Let me tell you, I have a whole different respect for mechanics after that day. I had (laughs) never truly (laughs) worked for a rider, and I was like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. So the work level that these mechanics, yourself included, have done over the years is is outrageous. I mean, you you don't know until you walk in someone's shoes kind of thing. And when I did, I was devastated at, at the level of uh, work and how much time and effort it takes to be a mechanic. Um, of course, to be fair, though, uh, I've had run-ins with people with yellow jackets. They're not always, A, the smartest, or B, um, you know, very nice about their job. So there is two sides to every story, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You quit over this incident, um, but I got a feeling this was probably the final straw. You You were... Were you on your way out maybe beforehand and you were like, look, this is finally it. I can't deal with this. You know, I came aboard to to build the team um, from where it was to something that was much bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of had my hands tied, I guess would be a good way to put it. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't have the freedom to do the things that I knew how to do and had done in the past. And it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um the way I thought it would. And that just kind of put it over the edge right there. Right. You know, I think once, once that happened, um, well, it was just something that I needed to step away from and, and not be part of and And that was the whole thing. I mean, the people at blue Buffalo are awesome. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy they're in our sport and, and it just, you know, for me to walk away, it kind of hurt, but it was something that needed to be done at that point. Um, Lots of talk about those Slater skins. They've been around for a long time, and um, I I don't mock them like a lot of you know a lot of people in the industry are kind of set. They they don't have necessarily open minds, and people just go, "Oh, that looks so stupid." I see a I see a use for them. I really do. Yeah, the front number plate bar thing looks ridiculous, but it's not that bad. And for reals, it gives really good signage. Like I don't. Did you find it? Did it? Did it heat the bike up? Do you think there's a home for these things? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not uh, sure. Um, you know, the, 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 the side panels um, are not that bad. I worked on them quite a bit to keep the bike from, from being confined and overheating and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got them to breathe. And, and anyway, the, the, you know, there were no issues with heat or anything like that. But, you know, the riders seem to not like the the front part, the shield, the front number plate. They, you know, some guys yeah, yeah. don't like hand guards, and that made you have to run hand guards if you use that piece. And there were just a lot of of rough edges, you know, mm-hmm. um, that needed to be refined a little bit. Yep. And it, during the race season, is definitely not the time to do that. <laughs> no, and no. I don't think enough of R and D and time and and thought had been put into them. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think there is a place for them. I just don't think they're at that level right. to, to be that piece yet. Because signage, man. Signage matters. And yeah, on our that, dirt that's bikes, what it's you know, all about. Yeah, yeah it yeah, really is. Sponsors are paying a lot of money. And, you know, honestly, the, the way that the new television packages are, if you really pay attention to, the, like, the camera angles and stuff like that, They've changed a lot over the years. They're not from the ground level. I mean, they mm-hmm. they do the majority of the filming actually from the stands or from the spider cam, and mm-hmm. um, so I don't think they're they point. even yeah. work the way that we think they should work. You know, as yeah. far as the, the the signage area and stuff like that. I think I think a whole new thought process needs to be put into it, and 
and find new signage uh, places and on the bike and the rider and stuff. And it's you know, think, it, it changes so often. And, and where we were ten years ago is definitely not where we are now. Um, and I think that you know, I think we the industry needs pe- needs to put more thought into signage areas on the motorcycle and the riders. Yeah, I mean, whether it's Sam Manuel who you worked with or or, or Bud Light. Um, I'm probably forgetting a few big companies. These are things that you've dealt with. We're like, hey, this is what we can give you. What do you want? How big it is? Hey, we don't have that spot. Whatever. This is a huge battle going on behind the scenes. That's right. That's right. I mean, it, and, and it used to be more about the signage area and where their logos were going to go. Nowadays, it's how many followers do you have on Instagram and Twitter? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, right. it, 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 it's gone a lot from the basics mm-hmm. of just signage area to more of the social media and all the other assets that these companies can get. And, you know, every company, every deal is different. They yeah. want something different. Um, so it's up to the teams to give them what they want or figure out what they need. Activating the in the pits, activation in the pits, get emails, get emails. That's so important. Exactly. You, know? so. you can increase their mailing list and, it, it, there's so many things, you know, and, and you got to find out what the company wants. But I don't think nowadays, I don't think signage is as big or as, an impor- as, as important as it was 15 years ago. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so with that, after leaving that team, uh, what are you up to? What have you been doing? What's been going on? You know, I kind of just uh, took a little break for a while. Uh-huh. And uh, and I started coaching some riders and and working with some amateur kids and honestly just having fun. I mean, I love that part of it, working with riders and stuff. I always have. And, and, uh, I've been dabbling and thinking about starting my own coaching business. You know, our, Mm -hmm. our industry seems like it's, it's, it's flooded with, you know, I'm doing the quotations with my fingers, um, (laughs) trainers. Right. And, you know, I think there's only about two or three that are really credible. Um, and, and I don't like that word trainer anyway, but besides the point, um, you know, I just, I, I've been enjoying the whole coaching thing and I've been really thinking about starting my own coaching business kind uh-huh. of thing and, and taking on larger groups and more people and making it more, uh, available to different people. Um, you should, I, you should do that right away. I think you'd be great at it. I really do. Like, <laughs> like well, look, I, I, look. I, whether it's a Red Dog or, or Kyle Chisholm, or, or you know, look at Stu and uh, Stu and, and Chad and their success. Uh, whether it's Ryan Morris, another friend of mine, uh, Michael Lieb, a guy I know pretty well. I've spoken to a lot of guys about you over the years when you're not around, and everyone is like, man. He, he knows his stuff. He knows what to do. He's helped me out. He's worked with me. He understands racing. Um, he understands the mindset. He understands equipment. Um, yeah, you should do that, Brooks. That'd be good. One, one thing I, I've noticed that what I guess my strong suits are is talking to the riders, being able to mm-hmm. talk, racer talk, um, you know, and, and giving them advice if it's with their motorcycle. A lot of these coaches trainer guys they they have no clue how to set a bike up so no, no. just knowing that and ha- having the ability to be able to help the rider set their bike up i mean it, i've learned so much over the years i would truly like to give back to the sport but but i don't i can't decide if i want to do it with the professionals or more of the amateurs right. and then bring up the next generation much much stronger and much much more knowledgeable i i i'm kind of on that fence right now uh, you should do whatever makes you money yeah <laughs> professionals <laughs> professional. <That's always> important. <laughs> professionals or amateurs i don't care um no but for reals i think you'd be great at it i really do and i've and i've been behind the scenes when you we've been at test tracks on a wednesday afternoon uh with red dog and you know i've seen you work i've seen it how it goes um you're an intense individual and you've got a lot of knowledge and yeah whether it's Bike setup, training, uh, or getting inside. I think more than anything, Brooks, you're really good at, like, get it, like you said, like speaking a racer's mentality. Um, that's maybe yeah. your, your best attribute. Yeah. And, and and these guys are so fragile nowadays. That yeah, I was just going to say that they do. They are. They're so brutal. Like it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them could benefit from from somebody like you. Yeah, you need to do that. 
the funny thing is the this is going to sound strange, but the better the rider, the more fragile they are. It, <laughs> and I would have thought exactly yeah. the opposite when yeah. I started this. When I was racing against all these guys, and I was on that line with the, uh, you know, the the best. I I always thought, God, these guys are so confident. These guys, you know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just you know, uh, thinking, you know, you know, the way that they think and. And now that I worked with the, the Reeds and the Stewarts and the McGraths and the people like that, it's like they weren't as strong mentally as what I thought. McGrath would definitely. Well, okay, yeah, I was like, going to call you out. Don't you think MCs was one of the greatest at that mentally? Absolutely, yeah. But he, I mean, he much different than the others. Yes, I think everyone else you said fits perfectly into, into being fragile, uh, little flowers that need to be treated perfectly. But I think MC. I think one of his huge strengths, well, obviously besides riding the dirt bike, was just how he was the man. He knew it. He knew what to do. He he came through in yeah. the clutch. You know. Yeah, yeah. So he he always loved a hundred thousand people looking at him. Right, right, right. <laughs> so like like I'm the opposite. Don't look at me. Yeah, you know? yeah. Let me try to do this. You know, without anyone seeing. Yeah. He was the opposite. He wanted people watching him because I think. You know, he knew his level and he knew his, uh, you know, what he could do. And he just, you know, if it was golfing or, or riding mm-hmm. dirt bikes or whatever it may be, he just loved the attention and, and he thrived off it. And he, he's definitely a, a, a unique individual. And, well, I mean, it shows in all his championships. I would say, look, I'm, 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 I don't want to be one of those guys that walked uphill to school both ways and everything was better back in the day, but I've said this a few times, and again, I, I could be wrong. Whether it's Chad came close, but he wasn't dominant like MC, but whether it's Ricky, James, Dungy, Villopoto, um, there's never been a guy like MC in our sports since he left, and I don't know if there ever will be someone who handled uh, winning as great as he did, losing as great as he did, had everything you wanted to be in a person, in a, in a champion. I don't know him that well to, to make to say that off the track he was his angel, but he seems like a good guy. He seems like a proper good guy. I don't know. I don't think we've ever had it since. I really don't. And uh, um, I think he set the bar for all these guys, and no one has met that bar yet. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think Jeremy was definitely one of a kind. And I don't think our sport had had a champion like that before him mm-hmm. nor after, like you said. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't see it, you know, but I, I, I try not to blame or say, Oh my gosh, it was so much better back. Yeah. It's just a new generation, yeah. a yeah. new way that these people think. And, and the kids, when they come up, it's, it's kind of what's embedded in them from their parents or the, you know, their peers. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that I think, you know, each generation changes a little bit and you kind of have to be willing to change with them. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to be the same champion that we had before, mm-hmm. but you know, I think it's just the way life is and the way the world changes. It, I don't think we'll ever have, you know, a, a, a champion like Jeremy, you, you know, there might be that unique individual that steps up and, and does it. But yeah. at this point I haven't seen it. You also got to remember, too, to be fair to the guys nowadays, there's internet goofballs like me around. There's Instagram. There's social media. There's instant access and criticism no matter what you do. MC was in Havasu, and no one was really you know, paying that much attention to him where now these guys are. And so these guys nowadays are under a bit more of a microscope than Jeremy was. So, right. you know, so maybe they yeah. got to be more careful, yeah. you know? I, yeah, I agree. So. I mean, it, it's the social media thing has grown and – in my opinion, gotten a bit out of control, mm-hmm. um, but it can ruin people. You know, if you do step sideways and do something a little bit, you know, off track, they, everyone finds out about it. Yeah. And no, I know. I, right? I would have hated that when I was young. Or <laughs> do, was racing, it would have ruined me. How about the fact that like, there'll be like a normal block pass, something that back in the day you would have done to Larry Ward a hundred times. And he would have done to you a hundred times back. And uh, and nowadays it's debated on Instagram. Riders are called terrible names for making a somewhat aggressive pass. Everyone's got an opinion. Um, when when you know these these type of passes happened all the time back in the day, and no one cared. But nowadays yep. they're all over the place. So if you're a rider, you're like, you know, Jason Anderson's an example. Like I've seen his Instagram where he just gets, 
you know, attacked for passes or whatever that I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he was aggressive, but whatever. You know, you got to get by a guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's the sport. I mean, you don't – it's not tiddlywinks out there. Like, these guys are – each position is a lot of money. So, Jason, I mean, he might enjoy it, but – you know, whether he enjoys it or not, he's bettering his self, you know, padding his pocketbook, padding his resume by every pass that he makes going forward. Mm-hmm. And so you can't blame the kid. Yeah. I mean, I or anybody that makes a makes a I mean, it could be dirty. But well, no, there's a there's the a fine line. Time, there. it, yeah, yeah. it happens. Yeah, I mean, I think Michael Essie deserved to get blown up for his move on Brock Tickle. And I think that Anderson's move on Brayton does deserve criticism. But. 80% of the time, these moves are normal motocross racing moves, and these dudes just get just ripped into, you know? So, Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. But that that's part of the social media thing and having fans. I mean, Can you they have that? an opinion. Everybody yeah. has an opinion. What if someone lipped off to a 22-year-old Larry Brooks? I think you'd probably go to their house and beat them down, Larry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think about that, you know? But but things were so different then, you know? I know. And, I know. I, I, I think the way that I grew up or my attitude when I was younger definitely wouldn't fit in right. today's uh, time and age. It, it would get me put in jail probably. So, so okay, so I'm just going to start your, this business for you. You need to do this business right away. So can people just contact me and I'll pass it on to you? Is that – I mean we don't have any business cards out, do we, Brooks? But I think this is perfect. No, we don't. Okay, I think this is <laughs> no, perfect. No, we don't. So. But – Give me a couple days. Um, been thinking about just busting out a website and doing the whole thing. So I'm going to keep you posted on this. Yeah, I, please do. I, yeah, yeah. I definitely take your opinion to heart, and I think we've yeah. been friends for a long time that you're not going to lead me down the wrong road. Um, so I, I, I'm, I, give me a couple days, and I'm going to be back in touch with you. All right, yeah, all right, we'll do it. Hey, so I want to run this by you. It's something I've said um, – a few times, and I think I'm going to get more into detail with it when Roxon officially leaves RCH to Honda. This is happening. We all know this. It's just no one can talk about it right now, and I get that. No problem. But here's something that I've talked about on my shows, uh, and, and like I said, I might get more in-depth into it. And it's gotten me some texts um, from people I know that aren't too happy with me saying these things who, who, who own these teams or, or have these teams. But, okay, look, um, you did it with McGrath. You took McGrath. Uh, start from a shitty year at Suzuki, built a whole dealership team around him. Chaparral is on a factory bike, and you guys won titles. You did the same thing with Chad and Stu, and all that. and And I get that. Nowadays, though, um, Kenny Roxon, he's going to leave RCH and go back to uh, Honda, back to a factory team. He went from KTM, of course. He was on a factory right. team. Um, I'm trying to off the top of my head. I can't think of another couple guys that's happened to. Um, well, okay, you can go into a few few of these teams like JGR. Um, you know, they had they signed James, um, tried to do kind of what you did, didn't work out. They've also tried to, you know, make proposals to different guys, uh, and they've been turned down quite a bit over the years for for guys who wanted to go there. My assertion is, my 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 thinking is, like, okay, and we know the RCH guys have battled Yoshizuki. Not everything's been rosy over there. Not everything's rosy between JGR and Yamaha. There's no doubt. There's comp- there's been issues there. Meetings. Same thing with RCH and Yosh. Same thing with you and your OEMs that you dealt with. I have no doubt that I know for sure that you fought them a little bit here and there. And I think, like, Kenny is going to win a premier 450 outdoor title on a private team. Um, factory bike. But at the end of the day, uh, RCH is a private team. Carmichael and Hart. And they're there to turn a profit. Uh, Mitch Payton's there to turn a profit. Uh, Genova, Coy Gibbs, these type of guys, they're there to, to turn a profit. Um, hopefully. You know, that's what they want to do. And right. I think, here's my thing. I, I think when you're a private team, you're trying to race against teams that have multi-million dollar budgets that don't care about making money. They're simply there for marketing. Be it KTM, Honda, Cowie, whatever. You're not going to be able to accomplish these things. Like the OEMs want the OEMs to win. And mm-hmm. there's a source of much disagreement over the different ways of doing things. Maybe information that is shared, like one team has to give an OEM everything they do to the bike, but does the OEM need to give the private team everything that they do? No. 
You know what I mean? Uh, case example, the, the swing arm modification that Faber has, where they welded basically a top of a swing arm to uh, an existing production Yamaha swing arm. Uh, Chad shows up with it. JGR guys don't know anything about it. Next week, they come up with it, and they got to you know, figure out what Yamaha wasn't sharing. Hey, guys, mm-hmm. look what we found. Now, this is a long, right. long question, but I think with Kenny leaving and going back, like, why, why would he want to leave? You know, they, because I think you can't fight the OEMs, Brooks. That's, my, that's the whole thing. You can't fight these OEMs in this sport as a private owner. You can get away with the 250s because there's no, there's no 250 OEM teams, but the riders are going to go to the team that has unlimited budget, unlimited resources. You can literally call the guy who designed the frame in Japan or in right. Austria, and be like, hey, it's doing this. Where should we brace? What should we do? Right. Um, right. And again, I just talked for 10 minutes. What do you think of that? Am I right, do you think? Or, I mean, you did it, but, man, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of trouble. <sighs> it, it, it's a little bit of a political question that you're asking, too, um, because it's not only – the information sharing, but the politics part of it. Right. Manufacturers, no matter if they support a satellite team or a private team, whatever you want to call them, they still want that OE manufacturer team to win. Yes. Um, they want them to beat the, the satellite team over whatever. You right. know, they would prefer – they would prefer their team to win, the factory team, and then the, the their satellite team to win, and then everyone else. But you know, they they want to be in front of that satellite team, and that's I'm afraid to say that that's an ego thing. You know, is that what it is? That, okay, yeah, yeah. I I think it's just because they it they're all racers at heart, and they just don't want to get beat. But there's so many sides to this. This whole subject here. I well, mean, I could talk for well, three I, days about it. I know, and and that's like, you know, one year Honda took away Wyndham's work suspension. Like they just went, ah, yep. yeah, you're done, you're out. Um, they want, you know, they want the guys to win, but, um, you know, when we saw the whole thing with Kenny's dad last year writing that letter about what a clown show yep. RCH team is, and I don't believe that letter for a second, 100. percent But there's got to be some truth in that that shot Kenny, that made Kenny go like, I don't want to be with these guys. On top of that, Brooks. RC, Hart, Gibbs, Genova, uh, um, these guys want to turn a profit. They want to make some money from their team, as right. they should. Do you, and so, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe corners are cut in some places. I have no idea. But I, I, can, I can tell you for damn sure that there's no, con, there's no corners cut at KTM or Factory Honda. You know? Right. And right. so that's why well, I think. Well, their budgets are set. The manufacturer yeah. sets a budget. They spend that money. Plus, they have the resources in Japan, like you mentioned. That that they can they can you know reach out to and get information whenever they need it. Now, for a private team, a satellite team to do that, they have to go through the channel oh, yeah. to get to that same yeah. person. And sometimes those channels are closed. <laughs> but it's <laughs> well, it's the decision of the manufacturer if they want to close them or not. But it's incredible to me. Like I know that. RCH Suzuki had an issue pop up a couple years ago that happened to him, and they were they asked Yosh about it, and the Yosh guys went, "Oh yeah, yeah, we had that issue." Nobody told yep. them um, this swing arm mod from Yamaha. No one ran to JGR and said, "Hey guys, uh, Barsha and uh, and Pike, and l- let me show you what to do here." And and it's all in the name of competitiveness, but you're getting your parts, supplies, everything from the OEMs, and they don't necessarily want you to beat them. See, I think a little bit different than I think other people think. Um, You know, in my opinion, I think, you know, there were, there were a thousand pictures of, um, of February. Is that how you say his name? Fabra. Yeah. Fabra. Fabra of his swing arm. I mean, I knew about his swing arm before Yamaha started using it on Chad's bike. In my opinion, I think that JGR should have, should have, um, tried it out, built mm-hmm. it themselves and, and tried it, you know, and, and you kind of have to take a lot of this upon yourself because now you're running your own team and you, you need to be out there looking and, and finding out new and better ways to, to mm-hmm. build a mousetrap. And, and so in my opinion, I think that some of these teams aren't open-minded enough to do that or uh, whatever, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
budget. Yeah. yeah. And and yes, I think that the manufacturer should help them, but at times, you know, it's their responsibility too to go down that road mm-hmm. and figure it out. Um, yeah. Okay. But it takes yeah. a lot of creativity. It takes a lot of thought and having good people in your corner, and it, it's a lot more difficult because usually, if you change the motorcycle, you usually screw the thing up worse than you improve it. <laughs> but how many? And a lot yeah. of these. Go ahead. A lot of these people, they don't really think that way. They think, oh, if I change this, it's going to make that better. Well, if you change this. It's going to change that and this and that. And right. there's so many pieces to the puzzle that they don't, they, they don't understand or they're not open-minded enough to think that way. But I think, I think it's their responsibility to go down that road and not just rely on the manufacturer to okay. help them. Okay, but, but let me ask you this. So you find a better mousetrap. You find a better doohickey. Uh, Yamaha's not gonna let, going to let the Yamaha's not going <laughs> to let you put that on there, Brooks. They're going to want to test it uh, for a month or two months. They want to see if it works for them. They're going to put it on their bike. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. they're not going to just let you put something on. No, very true, very true. But that's the relationship. You have to build a relationship that allows that open table conversation to take place. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that open relationship or that tight-knit relationship yeah you're going to go down that political road and you know it's there's so many parts to this whole thing that it's very difficult to say (laughs) they should do this way because a lot of times it's it's an individual an individual inside the manufacturer that is acting a certain way and he could be your roadblock but i'm Um, I'm just saying like you're not going to be able to get premier riders of which there's only five or six of them in the sport you're not going to be able to get premier riders down the road because these guys are going to be like nah i don't want to go with with that team you know i'm going to stick with an oem and so good luck fighting the big fight against these guys um and another guy like chad he he ran hondas he ran cowies and obviously you know chad maybe i'm only getting one side of things but certainly chad would say hey i want to hire this guy and then oem would be like no we want to get him you know um, right, you know, right. hey, what about this? No, nah, we want to get him. Um, you know, he ran into things too. So, yeah, yeah, I, I don't no, know. I, I mean, I, but you did. I it. agree hundred yeah. percent. And I did run into those issues at times. But again, you choose who you're getting in bed with, right? You know, as far as a manufacturer, and either you have a good relationship or you don't. Either you build a good relationship or you don't. Either you both are open and mm-hmm. and willing to talk and and work through things, or you're not. So. You know, it, it's it's all about dealing with people and talking to them and keeping the communication open. And you know, uh, a lot of these satellite teams they're they're not gonna win. But I think a lot of the problem comes because they're not willing to work hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. know that sounds uh, weird no, because yeah. I, I know how much work it is, and I I do agree everyone works hard, but to take it to that next level is very very hard and um be able to compete against the manufacturers is very very difficult and unless you're willing to work seven days a week 24 hours a day don't even try thanks everybody for listening to the motorcycle superstore.com racer x podcast thanks for listening man these things are going great and i'm stoked with the responses from everybody and uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads don't forget the fly race and moto 60 show on thursdays the Pulp MX show on Mondays, the NFAB Racer X Fantasy show sometime in the middle of the week, and the Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto from talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride to the latest parts and gear. This is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands and gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. You want to save there. They got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 to 10% off participating brands. PB-PULP16 saves you money. All right, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break.
Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Uh, trust me on this. There's a, more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you, Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Racetech? Go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. I just think that, you know, you got to know your place. And like a Forrest Butler at BTO. He is a satellite KTM team. Uh, he won't have Dungey and Marvin. He'll have, you know, uh, Shorty and Brayton. And, and yeah. that's fine. Everyone's happy with that. But if you want to go JGR, RCH, whole hog against these dudes, good luck. Because they'll they – I'm not saying sabotage you, but they, they will not be your best buddies. They, they, yeah. they, just, they well, just won't. Everyone, the gate drops. I mean, the teams, the right, everyone's racing against one another. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is animosity for sure. Yep. Did you run into but, m many problems with Yamaha uh, during your glory days? Did you, was, it, was it a constant sort of push and pull? It was a bit of a battle at times. Mm -hmm. um, there were times that everything was peachy, and then there obviously there were times that things weren't so peachy, and, and, and we had to sit down and talk. But you, were, you were called into Keith's office? Uh, yes, <laughs> but but the good thing is they always wanted to win too, mm -hmm. and 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 they did feel that our team was an extension of theirs because we had their factory bike under our tent, yeah. and our truck. But but again, they would prefer their riders to beat our riders. But yeah. I had McGrath, I had Chad Reed, I had James Stewart, yeah. I had the baddest dude out there, yeah. and so. Maybe they kind of had to to go along with what I was doing because of the <laughs> level the, of rider that I had. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, you know, yeah. but but I got along with 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 Yamaha really well, and obviously there were hurdles and there were black mm -hmm. days, but but in the big picture, 
we we did some damage, you know. We oh, won yeah. some championships. Yeah, no, and, I know. But and that's really what I always think back to is is did I achieve my goal? And you know, the answer is yes. Was it always pretty? Not always pretty, <laughs> right? But you know, you kind of have to take, you kind of have to weigh it out. Did you do the right thing? Did you do the wrong thing? It was kind of one of those things. So, mm-hmm. um, at least in this situation, I think Yamaha was a good partner. Um, but yeah, they definitely, you know, we had we had rough times. But in the big picture, we did some damage to the to the history books, and that's kind of all that matters. I don't want to keep bearing Yamaha on this, but let me do it again. Um, also, too, like, <laughs> look, you're Coy Gibbs. You've got a North Carolina hottest kid in the sport, Cooper Webb. He rode for you as an amateur kid. He's coming up to a 450 deal. You've been a great partner for Yamaha all these years, and then. Apparently, from people I know that are really close to the situation, Yamaha just blew everybody's offer out of the water, and they're back. We're back in with Cooper Webb. We just, you know, so hey, Coy Gibbs, we know you were a great partner. We know you've spent all this money. You've helped us out. This kid's from North Carolina, but we're just going to take him anyways. Like, finally, Coy's, right. Coy's dream is close, and Yamaha just outbids and blows him out of the water for Cooper Webb. I would be a little sour if I'm Coy Gibbs. I'd be like, Oh, hey, guys, welcome back. I've just been here for the last five or six years, you know? I, I don't know. I, I would be a little bitter. I really would. And uh, another example of, you know, of OEM yeah. just being like, yeah, we're back, and we're going to pay big money, and screw you, partner. Yeah. So, I yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be a little bit hurtful. Um, <laughs> I think it would be. I, I do. I, I just, yeah. you know. So, anyways. Um, but, it, but it, yeah. you know, Yamaha... I don't know enough about it to really comment, but right. I know that 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 JGR has been going down the blue train for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, ever since they've been a professional team, motocross team, uh-huh. and but I don't think that matters at the end of the day. You know, right? I, like you're I, saying, everybody's I mean, they, racing, right? Everybody's racing. Yeah, yeah. They take that into consideration. And they may give you a phone call and let you know what they're doing, but they're still going <laughs> to do still it. They're still going to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, um, what was the biggest, if you can talk about it, what was the biggest issue you had, even with Honda maybe, was short for the brief time you had that team, um, with Yamaha over a bike issue? Did you, what did you guys battle over the most? Was there something that stood out? Did, was, there a, like, uh, was there a brand of numbers that you wanted to use? And Yamaha was like, nope, or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were we had sponsors um, that sponsored the Chaparral team mm-hmm. that didn't sponsor the factory Yamaha team, and we, you know, would run the logo and try to run the part on yeah. the bike, but sometimes mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Not gonna work. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really we were racing their motorcycle, yeah. and you need that motorcycle because it's hard to compete against the factory bike. It, it's it's a little easier today than it was back then, but back then you needed a factory bike. You uh-huh. had to have a factory bike yeah. to be competitive. Yeah. Um, maybe and not. Maybe not now. Right? No. Yeah. No. I agree with you. I think I think you can do it now because of the the electronics mm-hmm. and there's people out there that can build electronics or use an aftermarket electronic system, and the bike is that's its heart, you mm-hmm. know and. You can get suspension now, good suspension, uh, lease it or buy it, one or the other. Um, there's a way to do it now, but still, it's all in the setup and knowing how to set the bike up. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of these teams, either they don't have the knowledge or they're so hard-headed, they're not allowing the rider to do what's needed to, to mm-hmm. have the right bike. Yep. And I'm, I'm speaking in general, so I don't yeah, yeah. pinpoint anyone here, but... I think a lot of these teams, they're not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that bleeds over into the whole thing with the relationship with the main Yeah, yeah. That they yeah. see that also. Yeah. Um, let's go down memory lane a little bit. So I, I, I think we can talk about Chad's agent really screwed up the re-deal, right? Re-signing with you at the end of yeah. 08. That was, I mean, that was honestly a, a massively great, job by you to be like we wanted to re-sign chad please do it under our terms if you don't and meanwhile the agent and chad thinking they had you over a barrel and you turn around and get james stewart 
It's pretty yeah. pretty nice power play there, Brooks, by the way. But let me ask you this. So if, if Chad's agent doesn't kind of screw the deal up and, and you're forced to pick up James, um, and knowing how the end of the Stewart situation, you know, you went on vacation for a long time. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. Um, yep. Do you do you wish you would have worked harder to keep Chad? Because honestly, I feel like I know both you and Chad pretty well, and there were harsh words at the end, and things went sideways. But you guys are pretty alike, and you did do pretty well together. Do you almost wish, looking at looking and seeing how the Stu thing ended, do you wish you maybe you would have worked harder to keep the twenty-two, or do you not look back at like like that kind of stuff? Or you know, I mean, you and James got a title, so it, you know it went great, right? But. You know what I, mean? I hate to think back and think I woulda, coulda, shoulda, but you have to do that. And and yes, I agree. I wish I would have worked harder. I wish I wish I would have swallowed a little bit of my pride mm-hmm. and and opened up a little bit more to Chad and and uh, the agent mm-hmm. and just said, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. That anyway, yeah. I, I didn't do that, and I got more. I was more angry right. at, that the way I was being treated after we had, I felt had built a great team around Chad mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they were just money hungry. They wanted money, money, money. Mm-hmm. And we were already paying in big dollars. And, you know, to go over that was just, it was going to flip the team upside down and it couldn't be done. And I tried to explain that anyway. Yeah. I wish I would have worked harder. I know that we could have resolved it and I didn't do that. And I went, you know, the way of hiring James and it was, it was, I, I it, would love, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with the agent or Chad when you called and said, Hey, uh, yeah, deals off the table. Uh, we got James Stewart. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, not uh, a pretty day. No, not, not a good day. Not a good day. And, but hey, Chad went to Suzuki and bet on himself outdoor wise and, and won a title. And you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it always seemed like you and Chad worked better than you and Stu. That's all, especially considering yeah. the way the Stu thing ended. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, me and Chad, uh, like you said, we were a lot alike. And when you're working with somebody that has kind of the same attitude as you, there's going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, because. You got you're two hard headed people that that are really aggressive and you know I think now you know even looking back now I just really wish that I would have made that work because I think Chad and I could have done a lot more winning and you know by us yeah. going different directions yes I had a great rider with James Stewart but I think me and Chad were more of a dangerous couple. But and, uh, here's where you guys could, are, here's where you guys are alike though, and I know, like I said, I know both of you. If you if you yell at you or yell at Chad or yell at you, you guys are both hard headed enough where you're like, I'm going to do the opposite. Screw you. Right. That's how you guys are, right. and you're both that way. Yep. You know, Chad's yep. stubborn. Yep. Chad, Chad, you you don't you're not going to tell him how things are going right. to go. You know, right. <laughs> he'll tell you, right. you know, and you are the same right. way. You're like, wait a minute. No, no, no. You know, but, so. But the thing know. that we had in common, we wanted to win. Yes. Yes, and, absolutely. And it's like we we didn't let anything get in our way of achieving that goal. I mean, Chad got hurt a week before the first year we worked together in 07. Mm-hmm. He broke his shoulder, broke his collarbone. He was on the freaking starting line at A1 a week later. Yeah. Like, I don't know many riders that are like that and that determined and mentally strong that can, that can overcome something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Again, yeah. I mean, I wish I would have freaking swallowed a little bit of my pride and, and worked through that more mm-hmm. professionally than I did. And I mean, I, I, it'll always haunt me a little bit, but it is what it is. And, and I think that Chad and I, do you, guys, do you guys speak anymore, or is it is it kind of – it went to the courts at one point. Do you guys speak, or yeah. is it – No, we do. Okay. We do. Actually, right. my son does a lot of the, the video work for Yamaha now. Yep. I see so yeah. he works one-on-one with Chad every weekend <laughs> at the races. Yeah. And it was kind of weird at the beginning. Right. And you know what? I just finally just dropped my guard and 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 spoke to Chad, and, and he was open to speak. I mean, we – Right. Everything's good now. Okay. So, okay. I mean, that's, good. Yeah. honestly, that's a good thing. You know, it, it's always crappy going to the races and stuff when you've got animosity between you and somebody. But Yeah, you're telling me. It, it's, it's good now. <laughs> um, well, good. Yeah, and, I, good. And, and honestly, I, 
I like Yamaha, and now that Chad's on a Yamaha, it just makes things real easy. And right. I like Chad. I mean, he's a freaking cool guy, you know? Yeah. I, I, um, I, I was saying on one of my shows, Chad's legacy in the sport isn't going to be all the wins and titles, Larry. Chad's legacy in the sport when he leaves is going to be that he is the best. He is the, the number one rider that the most fans have partied with before or after the races. <laughs> <laughs> that is Chad's legacy because I run into yeah. fans all the time that are like, dude, we were hammered and Chad was there uh, right. after the race, before, but sometimes before. Um, you know, uh, uh, He's really good at that, though. Like, he, he can handle that, you know, handle yeah, drinking. That's his stuff. legacy. Like, that's going to be his legacy. Yeah. I'm telling you. A lot you. of people aren't very good at it, like me. Like, right. I suck at drinking. <laughs> right. and, and Chad's good at it. He can drink and then be fine the next day. I'm like in bed for two yeah. days. There's never like crap. There's never been a champion in a sport that more fans have partied with. That's his legacy. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to be a great champion. He's won races. No, he's I been know. on the podium a million, trillion times. But, yeah, people really like that. Uh, they do. He's a yep. real human. Mm-hmm. He's a real person, yep. you know, that he can hang out and party with you and then, you know, be that superstar at the stadium on the weekend. There had to have been some times. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't. Did RJ do that? I don't feel like even no. RJ did that, right? No, um, nobody did. Right. Uh, Dogger. Dogger, Okay, yeah, Dogger. Right. So the Dogger's legacy and Chad's legacy are the same. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's phenomenal. There must have been some times when Chad was kind of, I don't want to say he's off the rails because he was still winning, but he was showing up at riders meeting with sunglasses on indoors. There had to have been some times, right. Brooks, where you were like, oh, no. Oh, no. Are we going yeah. to pull this off? And he did. Yeah, he I normally was a did. Bit worried, right. but he he. Then that's kind of what I was referring to when I was saying he's a professional at mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you know he <laughs> he could pull it, and right. he made it happen. And he would freaking win the race, you yeah. know. And yeah, I don't know many people that are like that. That's why I kind of said Dogger because he was the only other one that could do something like that and end up winning the main event that night. Yeah. But, no, his. I, I think mean, you know. I think his leg. And again, I and I said that earlier when we talked about MC. Like Chad's close. He, he'll be like, listen, uh, Ryan Villapoto is a friend of mine. Ryan Dungey, I, I have a lot of respect for. Um, I don't think those guys are going to be remembered, and they have more wins and titles than Chad Reed, or, and in some cases, even McGrath. Um, right. Like in Villapoto's case, they're not going to be remembered like Chad no. and, and MC. No. You know, they're just not. No. Because he broke down that superstar thing and, and, and allowed them into his world, or he went into their world, whatever, however you want to yeah, say it. Yeah, however it is. And, yeah he showed the real person and that he's, he's just a normal guy. And I mean, people really appreciate that, you know, that they, cause they put them on, on these racers up on a pedestal and they don't think that they're normal. Mm-hmm. And then when they go and drink beer with them or whatever they're drinking, they're like, gosh, this guy's cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and I think they knocked down that, that facade that's there. And, and I think Chad has done that, but, is that right? Is that good? I don't know. Yeah. Not sure. Have you, uh, switching gears here, have you, Sam Manuel was in uh, uh, the sport with you for a long time and certainly a big part of all your programs. And RCH has uh, a soaring eagle, but they had Saquon for a little while. Saquon pulled back. Have you ever yeah. put in a call to the Sam Manuel people, Brooks, and been like, hey, you want to get back in? Yeah, I talk to him still. Yeah, um, okay. You know, they uh, the chairperson is a different person than it was when, uh, or the chief, if yeah. you want to call him, right. um, than the person was when we were there, and that is, you know, kind of holding things back. But, yeah, I still talk to him all the time, and uh, I still have friends over there, and, you know, we, we talk about it, but yeah, yeah. they're just um, – I guess the package would have to be right, and at this point, I don't have the right package to put in front of them, and I don't think I'd even go down that road because I think we we spoiled each other right, by right. coming out and doing it the right way. That if you didn't do it the right way, I don't think they would be that interested. Well, I think people don't realize either. Like, okay, so you know, you are basically taking the casinos money and they have more money than God knows what. And and I get that, but you guys didn't just take their money. You actually had like underprivileged youths from the, the area where the casino is and you brought them to the races and they hung out with you. Uh, you went to some local things that to help the tribe out. Like it was a really cool deal kind of behind the scenes that maybe people don't realize where it looked like to me from the outside, like, Hey, Sam Manuel's really like, they're really digging this. They're getting more out of this than just a logo, you know? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of like what you said. I mean, we did a lot more behind the scenes with the tribe than we than most people knew. Right. And we did go visit other tribes. We did do all this, you know, with the Boys and Girls Club around the United States. And, um, you know, we were a sponsor of the Boys and Girls Club along with Sam. And, I mean, mm-hmm. we we jumped right in and actually – we had a very good relationship because, you know, we kind of went down the same road together and, mm-hmm. and did, you know, had the same kind of goals, I guess you would say. And anyway, so they were, they were just normal people, good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got along great. And again, you know, like we were talking about with the manufacturer, if you have an open relationship like that, it's a lot easier than it is knowing what each other's goals are than it is, you know, mm-hmm. guessing at it like a lot of these teams do. Right. Um, um, all right, we got to wrap this up. you got you got an appointment to go, but we'll, we'll get a few more topics in. Uh, when's the last time? Why have you not put on an orange helmet for the longest time, Brooks? What is going on? Why you know you- what? I, I was just thinking about that two days ago and thinking that I would go do another photo shoot or oh, there do we a magazine. Go. Yes. And I just... I don't know. I don't know. I talked to Jody just last week, and, okay. and I didn't say anything to him because I was I was kind of thinking that way. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. I, I I really enjoyed that part of my life, doing all the magazine tests and stuff. Yeah. Um, I just don't know. Dude, I, come on. You got to go in and blow up a berm. <laughs> just go. Do something. Dude, I was looking back <laughs> at some of those photos and, and, and how I would do that. And it's so much different than the way that I see it in the magazines nowadays. Like, right, right, right. Dude, we... If only they paid dude, you, We right? had some cool shots. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you told me one time, and I did a story with you on this, your favorite one might have been the 85 YZ250 on the beach. Right, correct. That was yep. that was one of your favorite covers you ever did, and people got to go look at it. It's MXA. Um, it's uh, phenomenal. You, you talked about how you ate shit right before that shot too, or right after it in yeah, the rocks yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep, the moss. They, they were wet rocks yeah. on the beach. I had never ridden on a beach before, so I was like a kid in a candy store, yeah. just jumping around and firm shotting into the waves and all kinds of crazy stuff. And 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 then I went to hit a jump and spun on the moss that were on the rocks and just <laughs> ate shit. I mean, buried my head into the next set of rocks and we got it, it was awesome. You got to get an orange awesome. helmet back. Look, Jody's. I don't know what Jody's deal is. He's super weird, I think, and I, I'm not a big fan of him and my run-ins with him over the years. But you certainly are buddies with him, and uh, we got to get you back in an orange helmet. It's got to happen. Brooks, I, I don't mean, even know I, if you ride I, anymore. I'm it doesn't matter. At two helmets right here on the shelf. Two orange helmets that I have right here, and I mean, dude, those were good times. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I, I might do that. Yeah, do just that. but I'm pretty old now. It doesn't days. matter. I'm pretty old. It doesn't matter. You can still blow up a berm with the best of them. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, um, yeah it's just true. It's epic. You, you, I, I look through those old magazines. As you know, I'm a huge motocross dork that way, and I'm looking through them, and I'm just like, oh, man, so many good photos. Uh, before we go, I got to ask you, the number one topic maybe in all my internet podcast shows and motocross shows and, and my emails and Twitter, what's up with Stu? What's up with uh. Stu? <laughs> look, I know you're, you have nothing to do with it anymore, but... I cannot believe in my time in this sport, and even, like I said, as a dorky kid in Canada following it, I cannot remember as great of a rider as Stu absolutely falling off the cliff as much as he has. Uh, And I'm sure he would admit it. He didn't come in shape. He's not in shape. Um, It's just amazing what has happened. It is simply, again, in the massive career of James Stewart, ups and downs and suspensions and and how much he's thrilled us over the years. This is another chapter where you're just going, why? How? Yeah. What's gone on? <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think this all started about the same time that we parted ways. Because mm-hmm. it seems like it's been a downward spiral ever since then. He's had these little blips on the radar. But it's it's been going down and down and down ever since then. And I don't think... I mean, he made it very clear that he doesn't like people to tell him or have them tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, you know, okay, you don't want just anybody telling you what to do, but if it's yeah. working, then then go with it. Yeah. 
he doesn't like that. And I think that's been his downfall in life. And I think, you know, he now he surrounds himself with yes people and, and you know what comes of that. I mean, right. it's just, uh, anyway, I just, yeah. I think James is completely over it either. I, I, I bet there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and, that we don't know about. Um, and I, I don't even want to try to go down that road because yeah, it just... would be speculation on my part. And, but I bet there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that is causing a lot of these issues. And, um, it's, and uh, it's think, phenomenal. I've, we've seen we've seen the best of James Stewart. I think James is done. It's it's phenomenal to me that this guy, like I said, like the he's thr- he's thrilled us. He's done so many amazing things on a dirt bike, and he just right now can't get through two motos. He's out of shit. I just uh, I I don't get he it. He doesn't want to. I, he doesn't I, yeah. want to get through the motos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's amazing. I, I cannot. I mean, he'll blame it on something, and he'll say it's this or that because that's what people do but he doesn't want to be out there for whatever the reason is i hope he figures it out i don't know if he will but it's hard to see i don't think so yeah it's hard for me to see him getting it back into shape getting on a ride somebody to pay him to ride you know dirt bikes again and it's amazing simply amazing i'm I'm very surprised he even goes to the races and and will just finish seventh place you know like in moto one and then Obviously, he's tired as heck, and yeah. he doesn't want to ride second moto, and he, you know, will give an excuse and pull off. But it's uh, it's it's not good for him. It's not good for our sport. No, honestly, it kills me because I'm a huge fan of the sport anyway, and he's and not that. Yeah, he. I think his better days are behind him. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, all right, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, what's Larry? I was looking through. I was looking through the Racer X vault at your career, at your finishes before we did this podcast, and the number of years you race at a competitive level, number of years you finish top ten in the points, is amazing. Um, what's one or two races that stand out for you? I know you almost won Ooh. South Carolina. We we talked about the hard. I was just going to say that. Well, that's one that stands out because a, I would have had the overall in a bad way, though, right? I mean, it was in a bad way, a yeah. negative way. I know. You know, I rode like awesome that day. Right. Really, really good. It was just the the motor let loose, and it was something that was a common problem at that time. Um, yeah, it just happened. And anyway, that that was a good day. I mean. I finished on the podium at Colorado that same year mm-hmm. with a two-two behind Diamond because he was just a bad dude then. Um, you know what about, that what that about whole. The, what about the year? Seven year yeah. was awesome. What about the year too? You you missed. I think it was the year you did the hematoma on your arm. You missed all year. You come back as number two thirty on a cow. Yeah. And you know, at this point, you're already not you're not you're older at this point, quote unquote older, uh, when you're number two thirty. And you actually like got back into it, into the into the heart of the sport against, you know, you kind of got back to your old level, if not better, um, after missing what basically a whole year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I actually quit racing because of that injury, and it, it just really scared me. Mm-hmm. And I went and worked for one day for my <laughs> father-in-law, and. I drove, got up at four o'clock in the morning, went and hung fire sprinklers for the whole day. Yeah, he owned a fire sprinkler company, and I was driving home from work after the first day, and I was calling every manufacturer that I could, asking <laughs> for a ride because I did not want to work. Yeah. I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" You know, I've right. got this talent. I've I've been very fortunate, and I'm going to throw all that away. Like that's yeah. stupid. Anyway, ended up getting a team green ride that's when i um started riding the mickey thompson series because that's the only way i could have got a ride at that point and i rode the nationals and finished fifth eighth, maybe or eighth, something eighth, eighth, yep, eighth, eighth overall yep on a number and, uh, a three-digit cowie yeah yeah but they were all like you know top 10 top five oh, yeah. finishes and there were bad dudes and i was like man i can still do this and anyway <laughs> The whole reason of my comeback was because I worked a real job. <laughs> you worked for one a real day. job, right? Yeah, oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I think that's you know it's hard to get back to the top, like or, you know into the like you said. So um, once you leave, you have to fight. Yeah. Back in. Well, hey, uh, 
MotorcycleSuperstore.com, Racerx podcast, uh, presented by Fox Racing with the great Larry Brooks. PB-Pulp16 is the code to save. Uh, thanks for your time, Larry. I super appreciate it. Uh, you got to get on this coaching thing. I think you'd be great at it. So um, yeah. I'm going to get back to you in two right. days, and I'm going to... I'm going to well, go down that road. I don't know so. if this podcast will be up in two days because I got a Langston one to post. So this might be next week. Well, they don't need to know. Okay. All right. So. All right. Fine. We'll just tell them. It's okay. Two days. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, thanks for your time, LB. Always appreciate the, the time and uh, good luck with everything. And I'm sure we'll be, we'll talk down the road, man. Thank you. All right, Steve. See you. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis show presented by Fox racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.